Let me do a couple things. First of all, uh, I want to say hello to the Arden folks and the Hendersonville people. Thank you. Thank you for everything from not just RSVPing, to, but also to uh, getting your temperature checked, to filling out medical forms, to um, all wearing masks, all the stuff that is, uh, you know, right now in our, uh, our day and time. So thank you very much for doing that. Uh, to those that are online, hey, if you're not from Western North Carolina and you're tuning in, we know there's... We've seen kind of where different people are coming from. Thank you for tuning in. If we can do anything, serve you in any way, uh, make sure you just let us know in the chat or the comment section, whether you're watching on Facebook Live or whether you're watching on uh, our website or whether you're watching on YouTube. Thank you so much. Uh, let us know how we can serve you in any way at all. And if you are watching online and you are in Western North Carolina, I will, I will, I'm, I'm terrible at expressing uh, emotion, and I've been working for 30 years on expressing affection uh, at my house. But let me just say, um, man, we miss you like crazy. I mean, I miss you like crazy. I saw some some folks uh, a little while ago, and I was like, man, man, I really, 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 uh, it's good to see you. So, again, um, your spiritual walk and your physical safety is like super, super uh, important. And during these during this unusual time, um, just be sure to lean into your connect group, all right? Lean into your connect group. Um, tune in online if, I know it's a holiday weekend, if you're at the beach or whatever, find some time on, um, you know, look at it online. We've got a bunch of different options there, resources for your kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, all right, don't wanna cry in front of you, just, hey, we like you, okay? So, um, uh, I got a, I've got two great sons, and one of my sons gave me an awesome, Father's Day gift, okay? So long story short, uh, I was up here in front of you about three, three years ago when we kind of moved out in the country, and I had this little flashlight about a third of this size, and I was telling you how excited I was and made a joke about I shined it in the neighbor's window. Not really, all right, I'm not that guy. I, just, I didn't do that. But we moved out kind of in the country, and there's a big field behind us, and I was like, you know, I can kind of almost get to the deer feeder and all this kind of stuff. Well, anyway, my son got me this Mac Daddy flashlight that is like 10 times more powerful than that one that I had. I mean, it's like the, be it's like the best Father's Day gift I've ever gotten at all. I, I mean, so, and so uh, the other night, um, I was on our back porch and it was right at, at right, just almost dark. And I was sitting there and there's a couple of deer over here at the feeder, but it was almost dark. And I was like, man, I'm just going to light this thing up. Right. So, uh, and this thing, it'll, it will, it, the pasture's like 20 acres behind us. It's not ours, but it's like 20 acres behind us. This thing will like light up. Now you can't really tell. All right. I was told not to put it at the camera because it would like ruin a lens and cost a lot of money. So I was told not to do that. But like up here in the, in the cheap seats right up there, I'm just telling you, like I'm lighting up all those things right there. And just picture, picture this. Here's what I did. I'm sitting there and I hear something and I'm like, what's down there? And man, I popped it down here in about 200 yards. Mr. Coyote stuck his head out of the timber. Okay. Because I don't want to get the emails, I'm not going to tell you what happened next. All I'm going to tell you is that I would never, ever, 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 ever have seen this coyote 200 yards away had I not had this Mac Daddy flashlight, 3,500 lumens light up the pasture. All that to say, number one, I wanted to show you my cool flashlight. Number two, in the text today, what Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote Philippians, is going to say is, this is the way that as a Christ follower, that is the impact that you and I are to have if we're functioning properly. That is the type of impact. He says, you will shine like 
One translation says stars, but it really means lights. You will shine like lights in a dark and depraved generation. And here's what I found out. Uh, when you kind of look at the Bible, you'll see a few themes in the Bible, just general themes. There's a theme about what God does for you, what God does for you. And obviously the apex of that is the cross of Jesus. I mean, he loves you, but he sent his son to die for you. He pushed up on those nail-pierced feet and said, it is finished. That's what God does for you. There's also what God does in you. And that's really like last week. I mean, last week was, it is God who works in you. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like, this is God at work in you to both will and work for his good pleasure. But the part that sometimes throws us is it's not just what God does for us and not just what God does in us. It's also what God wants to do through you. And it is an amazing day in the life of a believer when he realizes or she realizes that God has a plan for her life, that God has a purpose for her life, that he wants to use her to declare and to display the gospel. But here's what I've, I've been doing this for 30 years, so here's what I've understood. I understand that there are very few Christians that don't desire to make an impact on the people around them. Their coworkers, the people at school, um, sometimes their spouse, definitely their neighbors. Very, very few Christians wake up in the morning and go, it's like, you know what? I, you know, I, just don't, I just don't even care about the people around me. I don't really have any concern about their eternal destiny. Just whatever happens, happens. I don't find that in very many Christians. What you do find is like, man, I really want to, and I really love this guy over here, and I wish I could figure out a way, but you know, I just don't know how to do that. Well, the Apostle Paul, in about five short verses, gives us two ways that I'm going to, and then we're going to actually end. I was like, wrote up a prayer. I was like, I got to get this where I can pray this every single day, and we'll kind of end that way tonight. But what we're going to talk about is this. Go ahead and go to Philippians 2. Philippians 2, I spent a long, long time trying to figure out what would be a great title for this message, and it's, uh, it's just shine. I was not imaginative this week, but here's the text, and I think you'll, you'll see what I mean. All right, here it is. Do all things, don't you wish that was different, by the way? I wish that was do some things, right? Do some things, but do all things without crumbling or disputing. You want to make a difference in the days of COVID-19? Boom. Great verse to memorize. Great verse for your kids to memorize. Great verse to make your kids memorize. But anyway, verse 15. That... This is the purpose clause that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you, and here's kind of the theme, shine as lights in the world. Now check out verse 16. Holding fast, now we're gonna come back to this. There's a little debate. Does it mean holding out or does it mean holding tightly? And we'll come back to that. It's kind of a big difference. Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. The Apostle Paul's writing to a church and he's like, the fact that you were growing, the fact that you were making a difference means everything to me. That's what he's saying. He's like, if you weren't growing and you weren't making things happen in Philippi, I hadn't seen him in like a decade. He said, man, I feel like my, 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 my effort was like a zero, but it's not. And I feel so joyful. So here's, here's how he ends it, 17 and 18. Even... Even if I am being poured out as a drink offering, there's a lot of Jewishness in here that we'll talk about. 
a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, Philippians, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Point number one, (laughs) how are we gonna do this? How do you make an impact? This is like super, super easy here. And bottom line is this. If we're like, I'm gonna make a difference, I'm gonna shine, here's what you and I wanna do to start off. Okay, it's gonna get real. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Just watch your mouth. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. All right, so let's kind of break that down a little bit. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Okay, so I did a little, you're like, well, what does he really mean? Grumbling, some of you English teachers will remember this, that grumbling is actually what they call, I guess, an onomatopoeic word that sounds like what the action is, like drip, drip, kind of sounds like drip, right? Or swoosh kind of sounds like swoosh. That's what this is doing. It's kind of like a murmur. It's that deep under your breath, kind of like you're in line at the DMV. It's like, it's you're really not saying it, but you are. It's kind of complaint, but you don't want to complain out loud. That's what it is. It's murmurings. It's mutterings. It's it's the idea of, uh, man, I just, I'm going to verbalize a poor, poor attitude. And then he goes to disputing. Disputing is a little different. Disputing is a contentious spirit who is always arguing, always negative, always critical. Find a flaw in everything. Some of you are like, that's like my ex. I'm just telling you, it's not about her. It's about you, all right? It's somebody who is hypercritical, argumentative. I just, they look for a fight in everything. Just contentious. When you kind of break it down in the Greek, it's the word Twitter, and in Hebrew, it's the word Facebook, and actually, if you really dig deep, Latin, it's Instagram, but all that is, it's the idea of disputing, contention. Now, here's here's what I want to draw down to us, and this is is tremendously convicting. Now, some of you are like, where's he getting all this? Okay, quick little sidebar just for my own sake to show you that I studied this week, and that is this. There's a, this section is what they call intertextuality. And here's what that means. It means the Apostle Paul, in this awesome way, he takes, like, he takes like three quotes, but he takes like 10 Bible stories, 10 other parts of the Bible, squishes them together, and then he puts them in this text. Most of what he talks about is when the people were on the edge of the wilderness wanderings. Remember, God had set them free. It's like they've been in captivity for 400 years in Egypt. And he's like, I set you free. And then they, they get set free in what they're supposed to do. And I got to get this. What Israel was supposed to do, what they were called to do, is to shine God's blessing and be a blessing to all the earth. To show all the earth, this is how good and how gracious God is. But they were marked by two words, the two words you see here, grumbling and disputing. And you, we talked about this a few uh, months ago. I mean, it's... They were just like, man, this stinking manna, so hot. Moses, you brought us out here to die. Back in Egypt, we had all these onions and all these leeks and all this awesome food. They failed to remember that they were actually slaves and they didn't have any of that food anyway. And so uh, what does this look like for us? Here's what it looks like. It's like obviously stuff like don't talk behind people's back. Students, it means you don't roll your eyes at your parents. All right, it doesn't mean you don't, it means you don't badmouth somebody on uh, social media. 
Uh, let me give you some uh, verses here. Uh, I was amazed as I thought about it how much the scriptures talk about our mouth. Here's a verse out of Luke 4. When they talked about Jesus, it says, and they marveled, listen to this, and they marveled at the gracious words that fell from his mouth. Now, what we're saying is we're Christ followers. So the obvious question is, can that be said of you? They said of Jesus, they marveled at the gracious words that came from his lips. Has anybody ever sat there and go, man, I marvel at the gracious words that you say? That's not convicting enough. Here's a couple more. In Matthew 12, he says, you and I will give an account for every idle word that we speak. We will give an account for every idle word, every idle comment, every idle post, everything we post, we will actually give an account for that. Another place he says what comes out of the mouth is actually an overflow of what's in here. So he's doing an x-ray and he's saying, okay, you know that critical spirit or that comment or whatever, it's not a mouth issue, it's not. What it is, it is a, it is a heart issue. One of the first verses I memorized, and I'm gonna, I've got it down in a different translation in my mind, so here's another one, Ephesians 4.29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth except that which is good for edification. Some translations say good for building up. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth except that which is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it might give grace to those who hear. Dude, you don't think that would help some marriages? You don't think that would help some relationships? That the words that I'm gonna say, my intent is to build you up, not tear you down. My intent is to edify you, it is to encourage you, it is to exhort you. And uh, let me say it again, you wanna shine in this world right now? Uh, don't complain about COVID-19 stuff. You wanna, you wanna like stand out and like, that person shines so brightly, all you and I really have to do right now is don't complain about COVID-19 stuff, because it is easy. And when we complain, what we're saying is that we are sharing the same value system as everybody else. When we don't complain, and again, I'm not saying there's not stuff to complain about. I'm not saying stuff is easy. Some of you are going through some difficult times, job loss. Some of you lost a lot of your retirement when the stock market is like a roller coaster. All that stuff, I understand that. But what he's saying is don't, don't complain. Bring it to the Lord in prayer. That's awesome. That's awesome. Bring it to the, Christians are not stoics. It's not like just suck it up, buttercup. It's not like hold it inside. He's not saying that. He's like bring it to the Lord in prayer instead of posting it on Facebook for everybody to argue about. That's what he's saying. And uh, fundamentally different. Everybody's complaining about something. We see it, but when we don't complain, we're saying I have a treasure that's bigger than Dow Jones. I've got more of a, of a peace than anybody can understand. I've got a good, good father, and I've got a great, great shepherd, and he's gonna take care of me. Now, you don't have to sound super churchy at all. And I thought about this. It's like, how do we do this without coming across that, you know, that church guy? You know, the church guy? I'm like, man, that guy is kind of weird. The way, they, you know, the way he talks, he's just so churchy, there's no way to relate to him. And don't look at me like that. The only ones looking at me like that are actually the church guy and everybody's looking at you. So the point is this, the church guy, you know, and I'm just, you know, bless you, brother. I'm just uh, blessed and highly favored. Now, who talks like that? Nobody talks like that. But what do you do when somebody, because this happens every day in your life, happens every day in my life. I ask it almost every day. How you doing? How you doing these crazy days? How you doing this 
weird time we're in. You know what I usually say? Depending on the day, I'm like, hanging in there, toughing it out. That's, that's good. And so I thought, what can we say? What can be something that we kind of hold each other accountable to at least for a couple of days, right? At least for the 4th of July weekend. I thought, what can we say that is both accurate, not super duper church guy, not that guy, but what can we say that's like normal people speak that actually gives honor to the Savior? And I, and I thought about it, and here's what I came up with. How you doing? Better than I deserve. How you doing in these crazy days? Better than I deserve. See, that's not too churchy, but what you're saying is, you know what, you're acknowledging, man, I deserve one thing, but someone, somebody has done something much better. Let me be honest, sometimes it's good to just stop and reflect on what we truly and actually deserve. All right, again, when you're having like a super bad day, remind yourself of where you and I should be. Again, don't, don't sit there and go, well, I wanted to be encouraged today, and this is like not encouraging. Listen, you know what you and I should be? Biblically, we are under judgment. Uh, we, could, we could be bound for hell and still, what are, what are we? We're a child of God. We are filled with the spirit of God. Uh, God has saved us. God has given us assurance. He says, I have an inheritance waiting for you. Some of the stuff he says, you were adopted, you were redeemed, you were forgiven, you're clothed with righteousness. He has put no condemnation over you. He hides your tears in a bottle. Romans 8 says, you know what? If I didn't spare my own son, don't you think I will give you all good things? All right, so here's the pledge. Let's do a pledge today. Our pledge is this. If you're here with somebody else, man, help them. Hold you accountable. If you hear me, do some kind of wah, 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 wah. Say something to me, all right? Say, Pastor, Pastor, remember, better than we deserve. That's fine. That's good. That's awesome. So when somebody comes and says, how are you doing? On the count of three, what are you going to say? One, two, three. Man, that's good. And you know, the whole point is not to show how awesome you are or how, how strong we are. We're not strong. If nothing else has proved true in the last four months, we're just not that strong. We're just not that strong. God has ripped away some of our idols in some amazing fashion and exposed some stuff that maybe couldn't have been exposed any other way. The whole point, though, is think of it this way. If that's the way we're going to shine, you got to remember we are reflecting light. We're not the light. We're like the moon, all right? The moon has no light of its own. All right, all the moon does is take the reflection and that's where that comes from. That's what you and I are, okay? We have no shine, we have no glory of our own. And if we try to steal glory, God says, you know what? One time he told a bunch of people and uh, they were stealing his glory and he punished them. And then later on it's like, not to us, O oh Lord, not to us, but to your name, give glory. That's what it is. Part of that is just, hey, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Let me give you a second one. It's a little bit easier, kind of. I was like, get on the altar daily. It's like, well, that's not as easy as watch your mouth. Well, it's, it's the text, okay? So here's the text. The text is get on the altar daily. All right, look at some verses here. And you got a little, as I said, you got a little Jewish culture you got to work through, but it's okay. Again, verse 16, he says, hold fast, hold fast the word of life. Hold tightly or hold it out. Now, one thing to think about is this. The word of life is not talking about the scriptures in general, it's talking about the gospel in particular. 
if it was talking about the scriptures in general or the Bible in general, it uses words like scripture. When it uses words like this, it's talking about, it's talking about the good news of the gospel. It's talking about what Jesus did on the cross specifically for us. He died in our place for us, rose for us. He rose from the grave. That's what he's talking about. In other words, here's what he said. Uh, we want to hold out, hold on to and hold out the announcement that God has reconciled us to himself by sending his son as a substitute. Now, here's what that means. I wrote a couple things down because I'm still learning it after about 15 years. This is not just the means to get into heaven like cultural Christianity has taught for the last 30 years, particularly in the Southeast. The Southeast is basically we have taught in our churches for years. The gospel is the doorway to go to heaven and then you mature by adding a bunch of stuff on. This Bible study, that conference, this music album, all this stuff, that's how you grow. And as we've said a million times, this is not just the way you enter into the Christian life. The deeper you go into the gospel, that is true maturity. That's true maturity. Like, I don't even know what you mean by that. Let me ask you this question. How do you know whether you're growing in your own walk? How do you know that you're a more mature believer now than you were two months ago? How do you know that? I think the way you know that and the way you can see that is basically, I mean, Jesus did it pretty easy. He's like, what's the big deal? Love God, love your neighbor. So what you can ask him, am I, am I, do I love God more? And then an extension of that is, do I love, do I love people more? And I question, can you make love happen? I mean, you cannot. I'm gonna love you more. I mean, how does that sound? Hey, ladies, your husband comes up to you. I'm gonna love you more. I mean, that is like, Poor planning there, bro. It's not, not good. What happens is we love God, and the more we love God, and the more we gaze at what he did and his acceptance of us because of the gift he gave us in Jesus, the more we go there, then we fall more and more in love with him. We love why? Because he first loved us. So I dive deeper into that deep end of the gospel, and the more I dive in there, I love God more, I fall in love with him more, and then by extension, I love people. Why? We talked about it a hundred times again. I see his generosity toward me in the gospel, so what does that eventually get to me? Then I'm gonna be more generous with people, whether it be my time or my resources. I see his patience with me in the gospel, the fact that he called on me over and 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 over again. And so what does that do? God was patient with me, so I wanna be patient with, with my wife. I wanna be more patient with my kids. I wanna be more patient with the coworker who's always falling behind over and over and over again. My question is not this to you, church, and again, we've been together for 12 years now, all right? 12 years. What we wanna make sure that does is, is it goes from here to here. Because I will tell you again, for years, even after all this theological education, even all of this preaching, all the sermons, I, it took years to go from the gospel is not just the entry point, it is the motivation for everything else, all life change, it took years to go from I know that to I know that. There's a big difference between saying, you know, man, I mean, and the way you can tell is do you love people? Do you love people? Love for people comes from your love for God. You love God, and then eventually what's gonna happen is you have a deep, deep love for people. Here's one author, put it this way. The gospel has done its work in us when we crave God more than we crave anything else in life, more than money, romance, family, health, or fame, and when seeing his kingdom advance in the lives of others gives us more joy than anything. 
All right? You're like, that's, that's crazy. Nobody can live like that. Well, again, sometimes we've gotten used to what is subnormal, so when we see normal, we think it's abnormal. That makes sense? Sometimes we're like, you know, I just, what's awesome is we get to see all this, like, you guys got to see a bunch of baptisms. That's awesome. But look what he says in verse 17. Even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Let me tell you what he's saying. He's taking Jewish imagery. They grew up with all these sacrifices. One of the things they do, they pour a drink offering either on the animal or in front of the animal. And he's like, you know what? I'm just like a little, a little offering on your big sacrifice. Now, what bring, brings to mind is, what is he talking about for us? Because sacrifices in the Old Testament, when you get on the altar, you're dead. You're dead. Great cross-reference here you ought to look up sometime. Romans 12, verse 1. Romans 12, verse 1. I'd say probably a top five verse to memorize. For 11 chapters, all Romans 1 to 11 is, is gospel, 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 gospel. And then in Romans 12, the very first verse, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, based on what God has just showed him. By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. The problem with living sacrifices are, what do we do? We, we get up off the altar. We jump up on the altar, and then we jump up off the altar. And here's what I found out. I jumped on the altar in Wichita Falls, Texas. Uh, at 17 years of age uh, at Ryder High School in an FCA meeting. So I didn't know that much, but what I knew was, you know, Jesus died for me. When he said it is finished, they counted for me somehow. And so all that I have and all that I knew, I'm like, I am surrendering my life to the Lordship of Jesus. He's going to be my Savior. He's going to be my King. I became a Christian that night. So we've all done it one time. But what I found out is that's got to be happening every single day. Not getting saved every day, but I got to jump up on the altar every day and basically said, I'll, you know, I'll tell you what, I think I told you this one time. My wife, this was 13 years ago, when we were in Houston, Texas, very happy with where we were, just moved into a brand new children's building with the church, and we were talking about, we are talking to Biltmore about coming here, and she had never spent any time in the Southeast. Me, on the other hand, I was born in Atlanta, had Texas roots, but I'm like, man, Southeast, that's, that's awesome, that's fine with me. And here's what she said. She said, you know what? She said, when we got married, you t remember I told you, I put my yes on the altar. Where God leads us, I will go. You know, there's some guys in seminary, they will actually say, you know what? I'll go anywhere you want to go, God, as long as you call me back to my home state. That actually happens. God, I'll go while pastor anywhere as long as you call me back to whether it be South Carolina or Tennessee or wherever. That's not a blank check. All right? Lori's like, and you got to, let me just tell you right now, you've got the better half is my wife. And she did she loves you guys like you won't believe. And 13 years ago, what she said was, she said, you know what? I put a blank check there. I said, God, I'll go anywhere you want me to do. And that's what a blank check is. You know, you write it out, dear God, but you don't fill in the amount. That's what she did. She said, my yes, she said, my yes was on the table when God called us to ministry. Man, that's a godly woman right there, all right? That's a godly woman. And as, a t as some of you guys in here, they're single. All right, you're looking for godly and you're looking for gorgeous. Those are two great biblical precedents right there you need to hold on to. So going on, verse 17 says this. He says, I am glad, I'm glad, and I rejoice. Now let's just, let's kind of start to land the plane here. Let's be honest. Is that kind of weird for a guy who's in prison? That is kind of weird. Come on now. If you're in a Roman prison, 
does it not seem at least countercultural to say, man, I got a lot of joy. Now, he's not a, he's not a masochist. He's not somebody who's like, oh, I love suffering. What he's saying is when he hears about the impact that his life has made on a group of believers, and then that group of believers is making a difference in a region, then he's like, I'm glad. It's worth it. It's worth it. Hey, ladies, moms in here, let me just say this. You're a mom, you kind of know. You kind of know. I remember before our first child was born, everybody was talking about how beautiful childbirth was. It's like, oh, it's the most beautiful thing. It's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen, Bruce. It's just, you're going to be amazed. You're going to sit back and you're like, that is amazing. Look at how God, look at it. Look at God shine out. Birth is amazing. I got to be honest with you. That's scary is what that was. I mean, that was not amazing. I'm like, is that supposed to happen? I mean, is it supposed to, doctor, you're supposed to do something. I saw stuff I'd never seen before. I'm like, man, that's not, but you know what? All of a sudden that little boy's in there and all the pain, all the travail, all the epidural, all that stuff. When they handed Tyler to Lori, without a doubt, it's like, hey, would you do that again? She, all she would say is like, worth it, it's worth it. Here's what we gotta ask. As an individual and as a church, at some point, you and I are gonna die, all right? We're gonna die, or we're gonna be on the deathbed or whatever. Are we gonna be able to look back on our life, either as a congregation, or are we gonna be able to look back on our life individually and say, you know what, I poured out I poured out my life for the glory of God and the good of others. Not perfectly, but intentionally. I used what God had given me for the spread of the gospel. I was thinking, man, all this stuff going on? Do you understand how many seeds are getting planted right now? I was at a restaurant Wednesday eating, and... uh, I don't know if she's a server or the hostess, but she came up to our table and she's like, I know you two go because it was another pastor. It's like, you, you guys go to that church. You guys go to that church. What she meant by that church is I'm one of the servers because I don't know if you guys know this, but all that T-shirt stuff, you thought it's a cool T-shirt? Just that T-shirt deal alone, 120-something grand got distributed to all these servers that had been laid off, and she was one of them, all right? And they were done in like $100 increments, so that's a whole lot of servers. You know what that was? That was you guys doing that. But she was one of the ones. And here's what she said. She said, and she brought us over these little gifts, these little, uh, I don't care, I mean, it's Juicy Lucy, all right? Little Juicy Lucy, little, little Juicy Lucy mugs. It's like, man, that's so awesome. She's like, you know what? You guys helped me out. We started watching you all online. We started watching online. My family, we love it. We can't wait till the whole regathering process starts and it's safe and we'll be with you. What's my point? My point is this. There are a ton of those people so do not be discouraged, saints. Take it personally. So personally, just make a, make, a, make a commitment tonight. There are no random people in your life. There's no chance for you. There's no, what a coincidence, a pandemic hit our town, right? It's not a coincidence. And we're not gonna talk about what role does God play in all this. God's sovereign, I can tell you that. And so God was not shocked in mid-March when all this stuff kind of kicked in. Please hear me, there are no, quote, random people that intersect with your life. Not a barista, not a server, not a teacher, not a student, not a teammate, not a neighbor. Nobody randomly intersects in your life. You are God's man, you are God's woman that he has put in that place to shine for the glory of God and for the good of other people.
And at some point, you've got to be able to say, is that what my life is going to be about? Is it going to be about building the kingdom of God? Or is that going to be a side hustle where I build that a little bit, but I do my own thing? That's just a basic question for the disciple. Let me ask you a challenging question. Everybody kind of knows that verse over there in uh, 1 Peter. Don't turn to it. But listen to this one verse. Because just ask a question. Here's what it says, one verse. 1 Peter 3, it says, uh, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you, listen to this last part, for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Just don't answer, but has anybody actually ever come up and asked you about the hope that's in you? Has anybody actually, I'm talking about in your whole Christian experience, has anybody ever come up to you and said, you know what, man, I just saw hope emanating from you, and you just got to tell me about that hope. If that's not the case, maybe just kind of ask the next question in your soul level, why is that? And then ask, God, would you help me to have some time before this whole crazy COVID thing is over? That could be January, I don't know. Would you help me to see one person that I can, God does the saving, God does the saving, you understand that? God does the saving. But God's method has always been women and men. That's what it's always been, men and women. Just ordinary people just like us. Now you don't have to go down there and run through the drum circle and preach. Not bad, I'm just saying that's not necessarily your calling. But here's basically what it is. When you and I do things, when we love people to such, I think God wants us to love people and love people in such an extreme way. They're like, man, what has gotten into her? And then all you got to do, in, in 60 seconds, you need to be able to have a story. Basically, it's like this. Here's where I was. And I found out that when Jesus died on the cross and said, it is finished, that counted for me. I gave my life to him, didn't know a whole lot. And what God did for me, he can do for you. That's, that's about it. That's, you can do that. And just ask God, would you give me one person that I get to see? Not for your pride, not for some kind of notch on your belt, just to be able to say, I want to see people in my life come to Christ. Some of you, we got tired of praying for that person. Who's your one? Who's your one? Who's your one? And then congregationally, just congregationally. Uh, you guys have done a ton already. Food drives, blood drives, 828 Strong. I would ask you to do this. We're in talks right now with the school districts of all three counties that we have uh, churches in. And they are so great about wanting to work with us. We always have the normal survey 2-8 where we do stuff. We're like up in that ante like by 10 in details to come. But there's a, first of all, you don't even know what school's going to look like. But bottom line is we're talking to teachers, administrators, superintendents. How can we bless you? How can we come in to your life? That is not just to help us feel good. It's not even to be like the turkey man that comes in, gives somebody a turkey for Christmas, and you don't see him again till next Christmas. It's to establish a relationship and to come in and say, you know what, God wants us to make our communities better, but not just to make them better, but for the gospel to spread. I was thinking about that passage that says, the glory of the Lord will fill all the earth. And I know this is a little bit, don't write me about my exegesis right here. It's just, a, I was just, I was praying and I was thinking about just WNC and I was thinking about the next 10 years and I thought, man, because I got, I got some guests coming in and I'm going to take them to a waterfall and I hadn't been to waterfalls in a while either and I'm going to go take them to, and I, and I want you to think of that passage like the glory of the, when the glory of the Lord fills the earth. And I know there's some, you know, I know there's some eschatological stuff. Anyway, point being, as 
Like, how awesome is that going to be? Just to pray, God, would you spread your glory all over Western North Carolina for the good of man, for the gospel, and for the glory of God? Would you do that? Just do that. That's what I'm saying. Seeds are being planted, church. And so pray, be diligent, and, um, you know, here's, here's one. I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll stop with this. Uh, Everybody in this room has heard, you know, the old uh, deal, I believe in God, I just don't believe in organized religion. I mean, everybody's heard that. Believe in God, I just don't believe in organized religion. Now, it's a 300 stories behind those. But wouldn't it be awesome if at least for some of those cases, our church was so visibly demonstrating the gospel of Jesus with our generosity to our community, with our sacrifice to our community, with our patience, with our love, would it not be awesome if it goes from, you know what, I believe in God, but I just don't believe in uh, organized religion. And just maybe, just maybe some of those testimonies change, you know, they still might say, I, I, I still can't believe in God, but I cannot deny what the church does. Cannot deny what the church does. Don't believe yet, but I can't deny what's happening. That's a challenge. And so it starts with us tonight. So here's a prayer I wrote out and uh, we're going to pray it and be done. A prayer to shine. So there it is. And don't worry about writing it down. If you want to take a picture, that's fine, but don't write it down because you won't hear the prayer. And it'll be on social. We'll put it out. But here it is. Dear God, I need you to help me shine in this world. Now understand, this is not just, it's not just I'm going to do it, okay? And if you do that, you're going to be like this flashlight and the batteries are out. You're like, click, it's not working, it's not working. So you got to go, God, would you help me? Would you help me? Please help my words express faith and gratitude to the Savior I love. Because the, the answer to complaining is gratitude. It's gratitude. God, here's what you've done. You've done, and just list those. But God, help my words express faith and gratitude to the Savior that I love. And you're like, I don't know that Savior yet. Well, now's the time, all right? Now's the time. You're watching on television. You are here at church, and you're like, you know what? I, I've never said yes to Jesus. We'll do it right now. Just do it right now. Just say, God, I don't know everything, but I believe that what you did on that cross somehow counted for me, and I'm placing my trust and faith in you. Make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Just do that. Let us know. Put it online and say, hey, what do I do now? We've had that happen over and over again. But here it is. Help me to get on the altar every day and love God. That's it. Tomorrow, help me to get on that altar. God, I want to love you. You're like, I don't even feel like it. Well, then tell God, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like praying to you. Please change my wicked heart. Help me to get on the altar every day and love God. And by extension, love people. In Jesus' name, amen. Is that good? All right, let's pray. Father, thanks for uh, what you've done in the life of our church. We've seen you do some things that uh, would be, in some ways, kind of easy to sit back and relax and observe and admire and do conferences about. But God, we selfishly for your glory, we pray that you do something we've never seen before and then we'd be, able, we'd be ready to receive it. God, that you give us the words to be not just grateful people but expectant people. Got to pray for every person listening right now that sometime in these next few months ahead, there'd be one person you deeply lay on their heart, an old friend, a college roommate, a coworker, a classmate, 
some person that just, it's even hard to go to sleep at night thinking about that person that they don't know Jesus. God help us to talk to you about them and then talk to them about you. Thanks for what we've been able to see tonight. Thanks for what we wanna look at in the days ahead. We love you, we don't wanna love you more. God help us to know how to love on Western North Carolina in particular in these crazy days. Thank you that you're a sovereign God. You rule the universe with your feet up. Nothing surprises you, and that is so comforting. Thank you, good and gracious God, in Jesus' name, amen.